It's all business. Look at that. Good morning, everyone. Might be still a bit loud there. Right, I think I might be coming through the fallback as well. That might be, uh, maybe, not sure. Welcome. I hope you're um, having a good day. I uh, hope you've had a good two weeks. Some, people, some of us have been away and are coming back. Some of us are still away. Um, if you're visiting, let's see a few faces I don't know. Um, welcome. Great to have you here. Well, we're going to continue on our continue in our series. Our three-part series, we've been asking these questions, questions for God. Week one, we asked God, why don't you just show yourself now? Uh, Week two, we asked, God, please end the pain. Why don't you just end the pain? And today, we look at the question, why doesn't God just let everyone in? So, important questions. They are questions that uh, are an opportunity for us to do just that, they're an opportunity for us to question. They're an opportunity for us to, uh, to be sure. They're also an opportunity for us, of course, to hear God's Word. Now today, uh, we're going to be flicking around the Bible a fair bit. Most of what we're looking at uh, in terms of the biblical text will be up on the screen, so you probably won't be able to keep up with uh, flicking around the Bible. So best to listen. If you've got an outline there, please use it, uh, follow along. Let's pray for us as we open God's Word. Father, we, uh, we thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that, um, uh, well, some, some families coming back from holidays and so on. But Lord, most of all today, we pray that uh, you would be speaking through me and help me to be clear. Help us to understand and have a uh, heart for the lost after we hear what we're going to hear this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we're told these days that we live in an inclusive world well sort of so long as you agree with what the world is preaching it's inclusive Uh, some people or commentators have said this is the new tolerance you tolerate everyone that agrees with you Um, (laughs) in fact you can even say the greatest sin social sin these days is uh, to be exclusive to say you can't have this, but you can. That's, attack on, that's an attack on my rights. How dare you say what I can and can't do, what I can and can't have, what I can be and what I can't be. It's why we ask this next question in our series. Why can't God just let everyone in? Why can't God be inclusive? Because that's the radical claim of the Bible, uh, the claim of Christianity, the radical exclusive claim of Jesus. That when it comes to knowing God, when it comes to heaven and hell and getting into heaven or hell, Jesus clearly says that some are in and some are out. Now, not only does this great, this great against today's message of inclusiveness but it hurts. And I tell you what, it ought to. If you really believe Jesus' words that we'll hear soon, this pain ought to be real when we think of uh, non-believers and when we think of their eternal destination. It's why at many funerals, it seems that everyone goes to heaven. (laughs) It's uh, at least a better place, maybe, they say. 
that's certainly a much more attractive and appealing message. So, let's spend some time this morning looking, looking into what God actually says. Let's, let's let God be God when we answer this question. That's going to be hard. We'll read from God's Word, because that's where God promises to speak to us. And I'm hoping it's helpful. You've got an outline there, the green sheet. Uh, we'll follow that outline. Hopefully that's helpful in answering the question. We'll use the following headings. Uh, one true offence. One judgment. One true saviour. Two classes of people. Two destinations. So, let's get stuck in. The first heading you see there on your, uh, on your sheet there is the one true offence. Here's the truth. The truth is God really shouldn't let any of us in anyway. None of us deserve it. And when it comes to offence, well, we're all guilty. We're all guilty of offending God, uh, ignoring Him as Creator, uh, guilty of not loving others. We all fall short. We all reject God and His rule. We all say to God, our Creator, at various times and in various ways, we say, I'll take it from here. I'm in charge. It's my life and not yours. Let me put it another way. You see, we take over the controls. We, we jump into the cockpit. We, uh, we hijack the plane from the one who really knows how to fly the plane. And in our own arrogance, we push God to the back and attempt to keep this thing called life up in the air. Well, the results are not hard to see, are they? We crash and burn. Our life is not perfect. We, we fail to love God and we fail to love others. Romans 3 sums up, uh, as we read, it's, it's a bleak passage, but it's true. The Apostle Paul, he quotes from Psalm 14 that we read a few moments ago. He quotes from Psalm 53 and Ecclesiastes 7. There is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Friends, the, the Bible says that sin is serious. And none of us are innocent. And that God will call us to account for our actions. It matters to Him how we treat Him and how we treat others. God will judge. So, Acts 17. Paul, speaking to the philosophers uh, in, uh, in Athens, he says, For he, God, has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He's given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So one judgment, the Bible says. Uh, one judge and no second chances after death. Now, if we continue to reject him and, and saying, uh, go away, God, I, I, I don't want you telling me how to live, well, that's exactly what God will do when he judges us. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, his judgment on those who reject him will be to withdraw from them, to cut them off from himself permanently. But since God is the source of everything good and the source of life, being cut off from him, the Bible says, means death. And what Jesus refers to and what the Bible says is hell. Now, more of that in a moment. Uh, 
But let's pause for a minute and ask a good question, I think. If God was to let everyone in, as our original question sort of states, if all were to go to heaven, why has God set a day when Jesus returns to judge? Why has he done that if everyone gets in anyway? The truth is we're not only uh, destined, all destined to die, but we are also destined to face judgment, as Hebrews 9 verse 27 says. So, what's the issue then? We've come this far in talking this through. What's the issue is dealing with this sin, because God will deal with it. What, what, what does that mean for us? It's an issue of forgiveness, isn't it? Forgiveness of sin. Well, God in his great love for us has dealt with that sin. In his great love for us, that's grace, the Bible describes that. God has provided a, a saviour, one true saviour, his perfect son, Jesus. Jesus who never sinned, but who died for our sin on the cross. He was the perfect sacrifice to bring forgiveness, to bring us back to God. Jesus saves us from the wrath of God that's in judgment. 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you back to God. Well, let's, let's jump back to our, our reading from John 14. See, this was a memorable night. I don't know if you can picture yourself there. This is the night before Jesus died. And um, Rod spoke about it just a few moments with the kids. This is the night when Jesus removed his outer clothing uh, and, and maybe he was in his sort of undies, I don't know. Um, I'm sure Jesus would have got one for every day though. Uh, maybe that's what he did, but he was in his out, took off his outer garments, the, the, the word says, and he knelt down and did something that uh, only the lowest of low servants would do. And that is he washed his disciples' feet. This is the same night too that Judas had organised to betray Jesus for a bit of cash. And Jesus called him out on it in that meal too. And this is the same night where Jesus said, after spending three years with them, almost 24-7, give or take, Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going. I'm going. Imagine how that would have felt. He was going to prepare a place for them in his Father's house, heaven, where there are many rooms. And so he says, don't be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now the question is, where's he going? Where's he going? Well, he's going to the cross. Because at the cross, that's where Jesus prepares a place for us in heaven. At the cross, Jesus brings us to God. He makes forgiveness available. He saves us from God's judgment. By dying in our place, he saves us from death and assures us of the promise of heaven. That's where Jesus was going. Friends, if God was to let everyone in, why did Jesus go through the pain and agony and separation of the cross? Only in Jesus can we find forgiveness. Only in Jesus can we be saved from separation from God. He's the one true saviour. Now, some might respond, and I've got friends who would say this. Uh, 
Well, what about true, sincere believers from other faiths? What, what about them? They're, they're truly sincere. They really have a faith. And, and does it doesn't matter anyway. Like, don't all roads lead to Rome, so to speak? And maybe some people will argue that, that God is at the top of the mountain. You might have heard this analogy. God's at the top of the mountain. And there are many pathways which lead to Him. Uh, that doesn't offend, that's inclusive. It's not what the Bible says. And in fact, it's really just logically not true. You see, friends, if all roads lead to God, then logically, one would expect the same God to be at the top. And it's precisely at this vital point that the one mountain, many paths analogy breaks down since the God at the top or at the end of each religion is vastly different. It just doesn't make sense. Now, Jesus says there is one God, there is one path, there is one way, one truth, one life, one saviour, one way to God. So John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, friends, the scripture makes clear that salvation from judgment has nothing whatsoever to do with sincerity of religion. Nothing whatsoever. What says is not religion, but the grace of God in Christ. Okay, let's take stock of where we've come. This is what we've said so far when answering this difficult question. We've seen that the Bible is clear that we've all offended God. So we all, we've all sinned and rebelled against Him. God won't let us rebel forever. God's punishment for, for such rebellion is death and judgment. But... In his great love for us, God has sent his son into the world as saviour. By dying in our place, he took our punishment and brought forgiveness. So in effect, that, the Bible describes then two classes of people. Those who put their trust in the saviour and those who don't. Now, <clears throat> I've never travelled first class. Never. Um, I've never travelled in business class. Now, I've done a bit of travelling and planes and so on, living overseas, and nor even premium economy. Not even that. It's, it's the back of the plane for me every time. Not that I haven't tried, of course. <laughs> so I've turned up to the check-in counter looking as good as I possibly can. I've shaved down, you know, I've put a nice collar on, I've put a jacket on, I've spoke nicely, and they just said no. I've tried batting my eyelids, I did all I can to try to get in. One day I was actually, one day I did, on, the, on an A380, I did try to sneak in. Um, on the A380, the stairs lead up to first class up there. And it was a long walk from the back of the plane, I needed a drink before I got there. And, um, <laughs> and uh, drink of water that is, just by the way. Uh, <laughs> so here I, I saw the stairs and I sort of wanted to sneak up to have a look. And before I, could, before I knew it, there was an air hostess or cabin crew standing at the top of the stairs just going... <laughs> pointing me to the back of the plane again. She knew I didn't belong. You see, we, we, we don't like classes, uh, especially Australians. We like to cut down tall poppies and all that sort of stuff. Um, we love to think there's only one class. We're all the same. We love to think that there's only one class when it comes to God, that everyone is saved, that everyone is going to heaven. I want to believe that. 
But the Bible is clear. Again, we've got to let God be God. There are two classes of people. There are those who are in and those who are not. There's the saved, unsaved, believers and unbelievers. Let's look at three quick examples. Matthew 13, verse 30. Uh, unbelievers and believers are spoken of as weeds and wheat. Uh, two classes. So Jesus said in a parable, let both, that's the weeds and the wheat, grow together until the harvest. At that time I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Matthew 13 verse 49, Jesus said, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. And in Matthew 25, 32, Jesus said, following his second coming, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep, the believers and the goats, the unbelievers. And so the truth, again, simply letting God be God, however painful and however difficult that is, is that the Bible consistently categorises people into one of two classes, which each portray their final eternal destinations, either heaven or hell. So, we're on point five of our outline. We'll get to those verses just in a few moments' time. Now, here's a fact that may surprise you about Jesus. In the Bible, it's Jesus who has the most to say about heaven and hell. Jesus. Let's spend a bit of time thinking about heaven and hell. Uh, I know that could be difficult for some of us, but God's word is God's word and we're not going to shy away from it. Uh, first, let's talk about heaven. In the Bible, heaven is described well as, as, as eternal life. We read that verse from John 3 before and I think uh, we'll have a look at it just in a moment's time. It's a place where God is, and I put these references on your outline as well. So heaven is a place where God is, Psalm 115 tells us that. Heaven is a place where Jesus is, Acts 1, where, where God's will is done, Matthew 6. Hebrews 12 verse 23 tells us that Christians have a place reserved for them in heaven. Philippians 2, we have a citizenship in heaven because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Revelation 21, 1-4, we looked at last week. It says that uh, in heaven there'll be no more tears or death or crying or mourning or pain, or pain because the old order of things has passed away. Uh, Isaiah 65 describes heaven as a new creation, a new heavens and a new earth, taking us back to the language of Genesis 1 and 2. Now, in contrast to that, hell... Hell is described as the source of evil in James 3. It's the place of eternal punishment. It's the alternative to eternal life in Matthew 25. The Bible, especially Jesus, uses a lot of imagery to describe hell, an unquenchable fire. Now, fire to us isn't particularly scary in some ways. It is when it's out of control, and that's what's being said here. This is, for them in those days, unquenchable fire is, is, is scary and it's relentless. Uh, it's painful. Completely dangerous, if you like. Jesus describes hell as darkness. Not, not with a little bit of light, 
but absolute darkness. If you've ever been to the bottom of a cave in Bungonia, for example, take, turn your light off, stay there for a little while, it gets scary. Uh, you don't know which way's up, it gets like that. Darkness. Jesus describes it too as weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a bitterness, that really means. When you're grinding your teeth, you're angry. It's not pleasant, is it, really? <laughs> uh, exclusion from the presence of God. Another way hell is described. Destruction. A debt. Again, there's some references on your outline there you might want to look up later on. Friends, if God, is, if God just let everyone in, if everyone is saved one day, then clearly Jesus is a liar. The Bible is clear, hell is real. But let me give you a little analogy that, I, that my youth pastor um, taught me when I was 14 or whatever. I've never forgotten it. Um, it's not called the RTA anymore, it's called something else. The, the guys on the side of the road who... RMS, is that right? Yeah, there you go. So don't remember RMS, that won't help at all, that ruins the illustration. Um, but remember RTA. So, you see, that's what hell is. Hell is real. Um, we've seen that. Jesus thought it was real. T, hell is terrible. Clearly with those descriptions that we've read through, there's nothing good there. It's full of terror. It's not a reunion with my mates. It's no party sharing a couple beers. You see, parties are good. Friendships are good. I, I dare say beer's good too, as long as you don't drink too much of it. Um, God is the source of all goodness. God is not there in hell. Those things won't be there. It's very clear. So yes, hell is real. Hell is terrible, RT. And hell, by the grace of God, is avoidable. A. R-T-A. Never forgotten it. Don't you be able to leave that. <laughs> Listen to these words from John's Gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. By believing in the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, hell is avoided. And heaven is assured, eternal life. Let me take a moment to illustrate what's fundamental to God's message of salvation. Um, just imagine, imagine for a moment that you have the chance of flying to the sun in one of two rockets. You've got to use your imagination. Um, the first rocket is built by human materials, built using human materials found only on Earth. The second rocket, and here's... We've got to use our imagination just a little bit more. The second rocket comes from the sun and is built from materials there. So it's landed on Earth and is now ready for a return flight back to the sun. Which rocket would you choose? Bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? Chances are you would choose to travel in the second rocket, which came from the sun in the first place, because you are absolutely certain that it's capable of withstanding the heat of the sun for the simple reason that it was built there. The first rocket, however, gives you no such guarantee. See where I'm heading with this? Friends, God has come to us in Jesus 
the Saviour of the world, God in the flesh has come to us in Jesus. He came to save the world, not to condemn. And God wants all people to be saved. And God is the only one in Jesus to bring us back to him. Friends, be reminded of the exclusive promise of God. There's no other way. There's no other way but God's rescue plan, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the guarantee or promise of God is that those who trust in God's Son, who believe in Him, those who come to Him and simply say sorry. That's what it is. It's coming to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I've, I've sinned against you. I've rebelled against you. I've rejected you. I'm sorry. And God's sure promise, His great promise, is of forgiveness. His great promise is of heaven, eternal life with him. But those who continue to reject the Son, well, as we've seen at the start, God will give you what you ask for in that way. Those who continue to reject God, who God, God on judgment day will reject them. And that promise is just as sure. Their destination is everlasting punishment. Hell. So John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. One true offence. One judgment. One saviour. Two classes of people. Two destinations. And so... Two ways to live. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. Thank you that he came to save and not to condemn. Our Father, we are... We, this is a difficult question because we know people who um, don't believe and who are rejecting you. Lord, please help us not to be those people. Um, Lord, we pray that, that we will be people that uh, believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the forgiveness that he gives us. Lord, we pray for those amongst us who are still trying to work some things out, maybe, who today has... Um, yeah, Lord, has, has uh, made us think a bit more and, and uh, made us think about the reality of, of life. And so we ask, Lord, that, um, that you would uh, continue to speak to us. Uh, let today be that day where we say, Lord, I'm sorry and I want to live for you. Uh, Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God who does not leave us in the dark, but you speak to us in Jesus. Um, Lord, help us to care for those of us, uh, care for those we know who don't believe, and help us to be bold in sharing the great news of Jesus. In His name, we pray. Amen. If you um, if you want to talk some more about what we've talked about today, please don't be shy. Come and talk to me. That'd be great. Um, if you want to pray, I'd love to do that with you as well. Uh, it'd be a great thing to do. Uh, Dennis is around too. You can talk to him and pray with him. Um, don't delay. Don't delay. And hold back on that. Now, 